And welcome to this week's Golf Alternative Podcast, the only podcast out there that gives you the best in PGA betting tips and also a great musical playlist, which, uh, as you all know, you can listen to on Spotify after the event, uh, which I'll be sharing out on Spotify. Uh, my name is Martin Matthews. I'm your regular host, and um, you can find me as Sundog Monkey on Twitter or uh, also at the Golf Alternative on Twitter as well. So uh, it was not a fantastic event at Riviera last week. It wasn't really fantastic um, from my point of view or our point of view. Uh, basically, an another week where it just didn't really happen for us. Uh, the thing about golf betting is you sort of, uh, I don't know, a, a week's a long time in golf betting and two weeks a very long time. So to Tom Hoagie, uh, uh, albeit, uh, of course, a very recent memory in some ways, feels a distant memory. And uh, I felt a little bit like a man on the sidelines the last couple of weeks. Uh, as Scotty Scheffler has done the business for a, a large quantity of golf punters and this week, it was uh, Jochen Neiman's turn to do the business for a large quantity of golf punters. And I'm delighted to say that this week's guest uh, was um, someone who led a lot of golf punters to those two winners. And that's Ben Coley from uh, Sporting Life. And uh, Ben knows, needs no introduction, but I'm introducing him anyway. Ben, good evening. How are you? Evening, Martin. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm, I'm good. It's, it's good timing, isn't it? Because well, I, I think we agreed to, to this date sort of three weeks ago. And um yeah, it's nice to come on as an informed tipster rather than a struggling one. So, yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, well, I mean, Neiman, how, how does it feel? Because I can't remember the last time I had one. How does it feel to actually get someone go uh, go wire to wire for you? Remind, remind me what that feels like and what the different stresses it brings to uh, golf betting. Yeah, sort of stressful. Um, I had a lot going on at the weekend and it kind of... I don't know. On the one hand, it just felt like I, I wasn't as stressed as I should have been. Um, but I, I think that's partly because I I thought he would win from quite a long way out, which sounds obvious. I mean, he was two to five going into the final round. But I just, every time there was a moment's doubt, pretty much at every stage of the tournament, um, he immediately sort of expunged it. And, and that carried right through to, you know, the seventh hole yesterday when he three-putted and then goes and birdies the next. And then... Um, when Cam Young holed out from wherever it was on the 15th and then stuck it in the bunker on 16 and pretty much gave up his chance straight away. It, it just felt like everything went to plan and those weeks are rare and, and to be enjoyed. But the, the thing that I'm most pleased about is not really the nature of the win, but to be on a potential world number one at 66 to one is, is quite rare in itself. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to have got him over the line. Yeah, he's, he's one. I mean, I've been, I was a little bit frustrated to miss out, uh, you know, my own fault, obviously, but to, uh, to miss out on being being on board because I was sort of blowing his trumpet. He was one of my six to follow players last year. And, and for a while I was I was saying, well, hang on, you know, we got this Wolf Hovland Morikawa triumvirate that uh, everyone was talking about. And uh, of course, Morikawa separated himself to a, you know, a large extent and Hovland's gradually uh, sort of coming up on his on the rails, as it were, but uh, of course, no majors to his name yet. But uh, uh, Neiman, who's younger than, uh, well, certainly uh, than Hovland and uh, Morikawa, and I think maybe the same age as Wolf, uh, was, was sort of put to one side as it were and I've always thought that um, he's he's got the talent to be just as successful he's always got some catching up to do on Morikawa but could can you see him now launching on to the level that Morikawa was done can you can you see majors in the next 12 months for him or is that um, a bit of a step away still do you think 
Uh, next 12 months only gives us four, doesn't it? So, yeah. you know, on balance, probably not. I saw one firm have put him up at 16 to one to win one this year. I, I think there'll be people who are quite interested in that. Um, you know, the, the Riviera Augusta connection alone will, will interest some people. I think he's about 50s for the, for the Masters. Obviously, so far, he hasn't really been a factor in majors. Um, and it's it's quite rare for someone to go from not being a factor to to winning one. Morikawa just won one straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is pretty rare to to sort of, yeah, to have been on the periphery and then suddenly win one. And, and actually, that'll be something Hovland has to um, battle this year. But he, he's been that bit closer and, and it's probably one step further along the path. But it, mm-hmm. at some stage, absolutely. Um, you know, I think you're right. And I did think of you actually... Um, yours is one of the previews I went back to check to see if you were on Neiman because I knew a lot of other people were and I, I know you've been a, a big advocate of his. Um, I do think it's fair to say he's been left behind a little bit um, by the others. But then again, you, you look, it could so, you know, second in the tournament, the champions last year, second in, in the Sony as well, wasn't he? And he's had yeah. a lot of near misses uh, since that Greenbrier win. Uh, but I suppose the, the number one takeaway, as I mentioned, Greenbrier should be that um, for a, kid of his age um to to front run like he did at greenbrier for his fir- for a record breaking mm. first win and now to do it against the world's best players um you know he's got some some heart about him hasn't he absolutely i mean i as, as anyone who saw my column for sporting life yesterday obviously I do the sunday column for you uh, i was you know, I mean, it's a bit of a stupid thing to say, but anyone else say it was a two to five chance, but I was confident or keen on his chances to get the job done. I, I didn't, um, you know, want to want to take him on. I, I wasn't surprised there was a little bit of a wobble and it got uh, got tighter. But as you say, every every time he uh, uh, he looked like he might be under a bit of pressure, he, he he produced what was needed and managed to keep everyone at arm's length. So, um, but it's certainly been a fantastic fortnight for you, and uh, of course. Uh, very keen to hear what uh, what you're looking to bring the hat trick up with. So, uh, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, do, do you feel a, any once you have two winners like that? Do you feel any pressure to sort of keep it going, or is it just sort of, uh, or, or does part of you almost sort of think, well, I've had two winners, that so won't be my week this week, or, or do you just start with a clean slate and forget all about it, or try to? Oof, I guess a, a little bit of all of those things. To be quite honest with you, definitely, there's an element of, um, you know, I'll, I'm due a bad run. Um, I guess I've been through a bad run for quite a while now. It's been going well. Um, It seems I'm a good pandemic tipster. Um, (laughs) But um, there's an element of that. There's also the thing that like, you know, 90% plus of my readers um, understand that, you know, in golf in particular, even last week, I mean, I tip, yeah, some people think I tip too many players or whatever, but even last week, I think I was about at the odds, 15% likely to have the winner you know, 85% likely not to have the winner. Um, mm. And that tells you, you, you're up against it every week, aren't you? And I think most people know that, but there are definitely perhaps new readers or people who aren't quite as savvy or whatever who think, well, this they, they see a tweet from my employers or whatever, or even me, because, you know, if you don't blow your own trumpet, who else will? Um, but they see that and they think, oh, this guy, this guy's just, he's incredible. He's going to, well, I can't lose. And of course you can. Um, and um, the, it does weigh heavy sometimes, I'll be honest. It, it's a, an, a, a sort of unique profession to have. Um, mm. And, you know, I know there are many professions of much greater pressure and certainly more significance. I mean, it's, I said this before on other podcasts, but it is truly a nonsense that you can get paid to do this. Um, mm. But I'm not complaining. Um, but yeah, I do feel pressure. And 
Um, I guess that's the sort of a psychologist would say, that's why I write 3000 words most weeks. So that mm -hmm. whatever happens, I can say, well, look, I tried my best and I, I tried to write some clever lines. So, you know, it wasn't a worthless exercise, um, <laughs> but I'm sure for, for a lot of people, it is worthless if, if you lose. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously to a far more um, sort of um, basic level, oh, excuse me, I forgot to turn that off. So I'm, I'm glad that was you that. and not me. Yeah, was... that is me. <laughs> uh, that is gone off. Sorry. There we go. That's the first time that's happened live on the podcast anyway. So, and I always turn it off beforehand. So uh, apologies for that. Um, anyway, where were we? Yeah. So I, I have a go at this on a very, um, shall we say, far more basic level than, than you. And um, yeah, it's sort of a... Um, part, part of the battle is, 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 is writing, putting the preview together itself. And part of the battle is, is trying to get the bets on and get some odds and what have you. So I get, I guess that's something that uh, is a bit of a challenge for you as well in that when you're, when you're working out who you're going to back or tip, um, you, you're sort of having to think about the fact, okay, well, he's, he's a hundred to one shot now, but, uh, um, he's got that price can be gone by the time I put him up. Does that, does that frustrate you as well? Uh, it does sometimes, definitely, and I, I think actually, uh, again, good timing. I think this this week is the uh, the most sort of rethinking I've had to do for quite a while. Um, Adam Svensson and Billy Horschel, two players who we'll talk about, I'm sure, <laughs> later on. Um, their, their prices were going as I wrote, and it became very clear um, midway through Monday afternoon that um, I, they, they, they'd gone beyond the point at which I could... I could put them up really. I, I, I tried to sort of apply, um, I, I guess what you might call like an extra layer um, because I, if I, at the moment, because things are going well, they do get cut and therefore I, I have to sort of be happy, not just with the price I'm advising them at, but at the price I realistically expect people to be able to get um, because ultimately I, you know, I'm paid to write previews for the reader. Right. So um, I, I need to, I need to consider what what's realistic there, and and with Horschel and Svensson, and it's not a criticism of anyone else who's who's put them up because uh, yeah, totally uh, subjective matter. But for me, they were just on the wrong side of the line, and and it can be frustrating. But at the same time, sometimes um, it helps filter them. Um, and I guess, although I'm sure I don't always have quite a uh, uh, as phlegmatic a view. Um, uh, over time you know you miss a couple of winners but you you miss a load of losers as well so yeah no of course and as you say you've got to have something where i mean well, conversation we won't get into tonight is because we will be here all night is the sort of value conversation you know do you do you back players because they're value or because you think they're going to win or go very well and uh, um but uh yeah of course you have to have to draw the line and if someone's uh, who you think should be a 40 to one shot is only 28 or whatever then yeah you're gonna you're gonna stick a line through them so um so obviously we're here to talk about this week's event but uh, i guess before we go forward um and start talking about uh, the honda uh, and the move over to florida it would be a bit uh, remiss not to touch on what of course was the backdrop to uh, riviera last week the big talking point and uh, the events uh, or potentially the non-event now maybe of the saudi saudi golf league and uh, i mean yesterday was quite a day wasn't it because the two uh, i guess the, the two big younger inverted commas names i know Justin's getting on a little bit, but uh, still, obviously, uh, young, a young man compared to a lot of the sort of guys who are sort of approaching Champions Tour who are being linked with it, uh, or in the Champions Tour, as it were, in Phil's case. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was uh, quite a day yesterday as, first of all, DJ came out and uh, 
and sort of declared uh, his uh, allegiance to the PGA Tour via a PGA Tour uh, press release or, or tweet, which was interesting. Uh, and then um, Bryson, hot on his heels, sort of didn't 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 say never, but said, "Whilst everyone else is at the PGA Tour, who's who's good? That's where I'll be, basically." So, uh, do, do you think there's still a way forward for this, Ben? I mean, do you think they can make it work with sort of um, some some nearly seniors and, and one big senior in Phil? Um, with the money at their disposal, yeah, if they want to, they can make it work. There will be enough players who, regardless of um, who said no, will will say yes. Um, you know, Adam Scott is one I'm sort of disappointed in personally, but seems he's interested. Um, there, there will be plenty, I, I think, if they really want to do it. There are enough golfers to go around. They, they will eventually get to a point where... And and I guess this is at the core of it. Like I I fundamentally disagree with it, and that's you know yeah that that's fairly obvious. Um, but I'm not. I don't want to be too judgmental to everybody because I think it is very very different when you're Phil Mickelson, one of the highest earning athletes of the last thirty years. And if you're say, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just I genuinely the first name that came to my head, Eddie Pepperell. Right. So sorry if he listens to this. I'm, I'm I imagine he won't. But like. Yeah. Like he, he has not yet. yet earned enough money to retire and guarantee himself a nice life uh, with no mm. no financial insecurity. Mm. Um, doesn't mean you know he's earned a lot of money, but he hasn't. Is you live yes, a long sure, yeah. you live a long time, and um, he's had his injury problems and all that. I still think it is completely wrong morally. However, um, people make compromises all the time. Um, and I, I know this is like lowest common de denominator, but every time you put petrol in your car, you are funding the Saudi regime. That mm. is a fact. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think it's something like one one in every nine liters of petrol is effectively from Saudi Arabia. Now we could all say, okay, we'll just we're going to all buy hybrids or electric. We're going to buy electric cars. Take that. We'd love to, right? But we can't. I certainly can't. You know, I need to drive a car. So that's a compromise. And okay, that's a very specific. Um, example, but I do think as you broaden it, take journalists for instance. You know, there's a, I'm, I'm not going to name him, but there's a great journalist who works in the Middle East, and and he he's going to write stuff in favour of the Saudi Golf League, and he does that presumably because that's his livelihood. And it's I I don't think we should judge people too harshly. We should try and you know win people over with sound reasoning, um, but sometimes that's not going to be possible. And every single person, even the best person you know, has done things that are morally questionable in their lives, right? So that's my tirade over. But Phil Mickelson, if he hasn't got enough money, then he really is a bad gambler. Uh, he should have nothing to do with this. Um, and I'm yeah. glad that it's falling on its backside. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you 100% on, on that. Of course, I'm goes without saying it's it's morally wrong for. Um, for the likes of Phil Mickelson uh, or any of the other biggest sort of highest earning players, had they expressed an interest in it to to, to go and do it? You know, why would John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, etc., you know, want to go and stick another note onto their millions when, as you say, they're, they're more than comfortable? Um, you can see, like you say, the side of the argument of a player. I mean, I guess if you look at what's happened to the likes of I know Nick Watney, Hunter Mayhan over the years, who you'd have said would have been settled in their their career and, and earning big money from there on in. And obviously 
things happen, injuries happen, etc. In, in what in this case, and suddenly the money's dried up. So, so I guess you can see half an argument for a coke rack or or someone like that. But uh, um, or as you say, someone who's you know hypothetically someone who's barely got their tour card gets a chance to go and go and play and isn't earning the money at all. But uh, whilst um, yeah, I agree. Whilst I don't approve of it, I guess the question I've asked myself around it why, well, as you say, you don't want to be completely judgmental is and uh, and i'll ask this um uh, out there to sort of other people in my sort of who do golf writing on a sort of part-time basis maybe get paid for a few things but mostly for the labor of love as it were if the saudi golf league in a hypothetical world came along to me and said we'll give you a quarter of a million a year to exclusively write on our previews and nothing else would i think about it I'm not going to sit here and say, no, I'll turn it down straight away because, you know, I can't say that. So, so, and I guess if, you know, I'm not going to say to you if they came along and said, hey, Ben, here's a million quid a year to come and write our previews. But I'm not taking a pay cut, Martin. I'm not taking a pay cut to write. (laughs) True. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you you know what I'm getting at? You can't complete. A hundred percent. And, and, and look, this, this is at the core of, of my main, like, it's a really complicated issue, isn't it? And, you know, I do understand the argument, which says, okay, what about, you know, this, that, and the other, and you do get a lot of whataboutery. I mean, uh, I think the fundamental answer to it is that, you know, as far as I know, no other oppressive regime is funding a golf tour. But um, the the thing that really winds me up about it is Phil Mickelson is being disingenuous. Uh, mm-hmm. McElroy said it yesterday, egotistical, yeah. whatever the other words he used. That's like, at least Cockrack came out and said, look, you know, my 20 million is not quite enough, whereas these guys yeah. will give me 100 at least mm. he's being reasonably honest. Um, mm. But Mickelson is lying to people. And mm. um, that that is a great shame because, you know, I he's a polarizing character, but ultimately he's, you'd say probably in America, and maybe this will sustain, but in America, he's probably had a, a, a following that nobody else has had since Arnold Palmer in terms mm. of being the people's hero. Obviously, Tiger's different, but... Um, yeah, he, he certainly placed it in jeopardy. And for what, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they were talking, I mean, I've not sort of delved into the media today to see if there's any more substance to this, but I'm assuming there is, as it was mentioned on Sky. But there's talk that um, he might be getting a ban. There's a meeting tomorrow or something down at, uh, obviously, in the, the West Palm Beach area, and there's potentially he's going to be banned from the PGA Tour. Did, did you hear that? Or hear that yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrific, isn't it? I mean, what a great <laughs> age of content we live in. Um, <laughs> It, it was very dramatic last week, and I'll say this: what a week for the PGA Tour. Mm, I mean, yeah. you know, I know it's only you know in response to a in, to a threat, right? And you can argue, and, and I totally accept that um, it shouldn't take this kind of existential threat for the PGA Tour to be looking to innovate, and they have been yeah. at times very slow. But I do think Jay Monahan's done um, a pretty good job, and 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 seems to be more willing than perhaps his predecessors to. Uh, try and think of ways to expand but there's also like golf is always in crisis Mm. um ultimately like i don't know it's a very very successful sport and uh, there was a 12 million dollar prize fund last week in an in an event which is not a major Mm. i don't think it's in a crisis you know i I think golf is in a very very good place Uh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't seek to improve but um yeah they had a great week last week the pga tour no doubt about that Absolutely. So they had a great, great week. Um, a lot of punters had a great week with Jochen Neiman, but we move on. And um, it's a long old trek over from 
California to Florida and to the first of three, uh, sorry, four weeks now in Florida on the Florida swing. Uh, we'll certainly see some tougher courses, tougher scoring, uh, very much starting this week. And uh, it's the Honda Classic and PGA National. And uh, as you know, music is very much a part of this pod. We will, of course, get to uh, the musical side of things shortly. Uh, but um, Ben, I think this is a good opportunity for you to start to uh, uh, unleash your musical taste on uh, uh, myself and the listeners. So uh, a tune linking to PJ National, I believe. Yeah, um, start with the obvious, um, the National, I'll Still Destroy You. I, I, I chose the, the particular track um, because it felt like the name of it um, was a fairly good metaphor for, for the bear trap and what awaits mm. there. Um, but um, a, a song off their penultimate album and, and one of my favorites. So yeah, I, I hope your listeners like it. I feel like I'm on Desert Island Discs. Yes. And to be honest, that's that's how I've spent the whole weekend thinking about this, uh, more so than the golf, I think. Well, everyone I've had on so far has got has got very much sort of into sort of a, what can I pick, what can I put on? And, and I've been just sort of, you know, pick, pick what you like, apart from Pavarotti, Kenny, sorry, <laughs> but pick what you like and, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have it on. Uh, but um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I've not heard this track before so i'm looking forward to giving it a listen uh and yes it's pga national so uh we're over to the golfing mecca where many of the um uh, pga tour stars uh base themselves down in the jupiter florida area west palm beach uh and um the course which is uh well uh, wasn't originally a jack nicholas design but has had jack nicholas's stamp all over it and um a couple of re redesigns uh is a past 70 uh, it's uh, approximately 7,100 yards long, and we're on to the Bermuda Greens. So, of course, we're keeping an eye on uh, players who perhaps are more comfortable on um, in, in, on the Bermuda over in Florida than they would be over on the, the West Coast and the Power. Uh, from the point of view of correlating courses, of course, we've got Muir, Muirfield Village, Nicholas's other main uh, mark on the PGA Tour, Home Memorial. Uh, We've had the um, Canadian Open in years gone by at Glen Abbey. Uh, the um, uh, the Barracuda is hosted at Nicholas Course, and also we had a uh, the one-off um, uh, events at Concession, the WGC last year. And there are some interesting links with players who have performed well at. Uh, Muirfield and uh, uh, then come and played well here or, or you know played well at the Barracuda and come and played well here the likes of Brandon Hagee last year uh, so that's certainly something to keep an eye on uh, the signature part of the course is the bear trap that Ben's already alluded to uh, 15, 16, and 17, two par threes uh, and a par four in the middle there and that's uh, where it can all go horribly wrong uh, one stat you'll see trotted out a few times on TV this week is about balls in the water. I think is it alongside TPC Southwind that uh, PGA National has the most balls in the water, Ben, potentially? Or, or I, I think you're right, yeah. And it's um, for, for those who like their stats, it, it will exaggerate some strokes gained approach numbers this week. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if, you, if you like a guy next week and his strokes gained approach looks off, just check if he dunked a couple in the water at 17 and that might explain it. Yeah. Um, what do you see as the key to PJ National? I mean, obviously, wind can play a considerable factor here. What What are you sort of ge generically looking for in your players this week? What What stats are key? Would you see? Yeah, I mean, I know it sounds probably like the thing I say most weeks, but you know, the last four winners were the best player in the field from tee to green. But um, I think what you tend to find here is that there's probably a little bit more balance to to the uh, to the generation of those stats. So a lot of guys who have uh, made up a lot of ground around the greens. You know the 
particularly good bunker players have, have gone well here in the past and everybody will have to get up and down from the trap. Certainly 15 and 17 are very, very popular spots this week. Um, probably less less about what you do off the tee in terms of power. Um, in, in contrast, I would say to Riviera, which, as you alluded to last week, you know, has increasingly become a course where um, powerful players do tend to dominate. So it's a pretty all-round balanced test, but I think it's probably one of those for me where um, versus the average week, it, it's less a stats thing. Um, I, it's more uh, the sort of type of player and uh, an example. And I, I'm probably uh, spoiling the the reveal here, but like Sung Jm, for example, um, is quite a methodical, precise, and and sensible player. And I think that that goes a long way here. Yeah. Um, I mean, from my point, of view, it's interesting you mentioned about the stats. This is always something I have. Have about stats. I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, I, I very much look at the stats and how particular players, of course, have been playing coming in, how their approach play, etc. You know, off the tee and, and and so on. But I think you can slightly go down a bit of a rabbit hole with with what the previous year's winner did or or, or what have you, because you, it's all well and good saying that the the previous year's winner was the best from tee to green or, or best on the greens or, or or whatever or best in approach. But of course, that could be. And I mean, we've seen it with players on the green so far this year with the likes of uh, Swafford and Hideki and what have you, that it doesn't really necessarily help you to find the player because, of course, that player might have had a blinding week on the greens when they've won, but they might normally be a poor putter. So um, I wouldn't, in my head, see Matt Jones as being, you know, particularly his strength being tee to green. He's sort of more of a, a, a putter than his putting prowess. So, so how much does that necessarily help you? Because, I mean, someone like Billy Horshaw we already touched on, Tee to green this season hasn't been fantastic. So do we stick a line on him because, you know, he's not fitting that trend? So so do, do you tend to get sort of too wrapped up in what it's taken in the past? Or is it more about how players performing themselves of, of, of late from the stats point of view? Yeah, 100% what you've just said there. I, there's nothing there I can disagree with. Um, generally, for me, I'm looking at how the players are playing. Um, I, I think good golf, uh, you know, I'm sure it's been said a million times before, but good golf kind of works anywhere. Um, but having said that, I I, I, I kind of think over the last couple of years, I've I've changed my mind a little bit on, on course form and, well, let me call it course fit because I used to be fairly staunchly of the view that it was overplayed. And it feels to me like the last couple of years, I've, we, and, and as well with the strokes gain data that we have to, to sort of overlay, feels like it's, it might be the opposite to what I thought all along. And actually, it's really, really important. And that, that probably mm. gives you a little insight um, into my process. Um, but a good example from last week with Joaquin Neiman is um, where course fit is a better phrase than course form mm. because yeah. uh, on the face of it, he didn't really have much course form. But um, for various reasons, it, it was a good course fit. So, yeah, I, I've, I've probably not been very specific there, but I'm definitely a course fit, but mainly how is a player's game at the moment um, would yeah. be the number one thing. No, and that was, I mean, that was where I went went wrong with Neiman, to be honest. I, I mean, I'm not saying I dismissed him straight, straight off the bat, but it was ultimately his, his course form that, um, yeah, um, turned me away from him last week. And, uh, yeah, much to my uh, much to my frustration. But I won't uh, bring him up again. Yeah, I won't yeah. bring him up again. <laughs> there you go. Just actually backtracking slightly, Ben, and you, you mentioned about how you sort of, um, shall we say, your thought process evolved on this over, over the re recent years and what have you. Um, a question I meant to ask actually earlier is, how long have you been doing this and what, what got you into it? And we had we had Dave Tyndall on um, 
the other the other week, and he mentioned that sort of his time dovetailed with yours at uh, at, at Sporting Life. And, and you said earlier, what a bizarre professional way to get paid to. Uh, what what got you doing this in the first place? Oh yeah, uh, how long have you got? So um, I, I I did broadcast journalism, believe it or not, at university, but very very badly um, because I didn't like it, um, and I I realised local news wasn't for me. Um, although some of my colleagues are uh, on that course are, are pretty well known in in a more national sense, but it just wasn't me. Um, it was never going to be. My hair's not good enough. Um, so I went back to my um, job in a in a independent bookmaker's head office, and I was a a huge fan of sport in life and through them I, I got on what a, a, a radio show that's now defunct called sports live radio long story short i applied for this job in leeds and you know i knew straight away when i was offered it um it's a quite a funny story actually they rang me and um a really nice bloke called mark chesworth uh, who i believe works for william hill now um still um he rang me and and said look i i could tell from the interview that the the one stumbling block might be salary so here's here's what it is um, but I might be able to get a bit more out of it for you. What do you think? And <laughs> being a naive 21-year-old or wherever I was, I asked him for £100 more in an <laughs> annual salary. I asked him for £100 extra um, just because I felt on the call at that time, like, oh, he's saying I need to ask for more money. I, okay, I'll ask for £100. Ludicrous. Anyway, I went to work for Sports Live Radio not knowing anything about it. except I, I'd listened to it, but I had no idea of its connections with Sporting Life and um, in terms of how they – work together and and the wider sky sports at the time um and i genuinely walked into the office and it was like well there's dave tyndall i honestly like i I was an avid reader of dave tyndall and dave john and will Haler and dave ord and all these people who i had spent university reading their stuff and i know like i i i'm not under any illusions here i'm not you know i'm not famous i don't work in a I'm not football or anything like that, but you know, when you, I, a couple of weeks ago, when Sahith Thigala said he looked around on the first tee and he was playing with Xander Schofle and Brooks Kepka or whatever, and he was like, mm. "I can't believe this! This is amazing." That was me, you know. That's mm. I just I I got my dream job, um, and and although the radio thing sort of eventually petered out, um, I'd sort of got familiar with Dave and a couple of other people and got a job on the Sporting Life, and um, and I'm uh, yeah, unless they kick me out, I don't think I'll ever leave. Yeah, the re- the rest is history, as they say. So, and golf golf was always your sport. I mean, um, right at the beginning, if you've been sort of given a choice of sports you could write about or tip about, it would always been been golf. Horse racing would have been first, um, okay. but it's like everything. Like you go into that. Like I, I was a massive golf fan. I since the age of five, golf has been a you know a, a part of my life. But I, I took a job in Leeds on a horse racing radio station. Um, but you know you 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 have i I feel like you got specialized right and and i as the opportunity to specialize in golf i i I was still reading dave's stuff i was still an avid golf punter and a golf follower um i kind of had a choice to make and and i chose golf and i'm I'm obviously very glad i did because there are a lot many 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 people who know more about racing than i do uh, well, I'm sure there's a many, many people who are very happy you made the choice of golf. So, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, who are probably enjoying a, a few beers uh, tonight as a result of it. So, um, yeah, well, that's, that's a nice uh, thought. That's the best thing about the job, isn't it? You know, when someone yeah, says, right. I've, I've bought this because he, you know, he, that's that's a nice thing to have because in most lines of work, like I, I do, there are some things about this job that I hate. Like, I hate the fact that all your hard work can mean nothing four days later. It can have mm. been a, what feels like a complete waste of time, which is quite unique to the job i think um but 
there are also not many jobs where you know you get people messaging you saying oh you know i just bought a new set of golf clubs because you guessed the right golfer it's that's a really nice perk yeah no i, I could imagine that so uh, um but uh yeah but well very interested to hear about how you how you got into it and to hear the sort of second half of the story from dave, dave tindall as it were so uh and, and now you both play snooker together on monday although you weren't there when he made his century today you, did you, you sort of uh, i saw you commenting on his uh stopping to fo photograph the, the last blue before he knocked it in which was a bit risky but uh, uh i believe he just about gets does he get the better of you or is it sort of um 50 50 when you play oh, no he's dave's a better player than me but um but I've, I've, we've been playing together for three or four months now, and I, I've massively enjoyed it. Um, he is, he's a very good player. And funnily, the, the first time we played, I, th I think I, I, I beat him the first time. Um, and I, you know, it's like I'm sure he's meant to be better than this. And and over the weeks, you know, he has shown himself to be much better. But I'm taking, I'm taking, um, credit for the century because I was supposed to play today, but um, I was not feeling well, and I pulled out, and uh, he's gone and made a century. So uh, oh, well. definitely, definitely partly to do with me. But um, I'm hoping it rubs off on me because I'm my game's coming back, and I I can compete with him. You know, I, he probably probably beats me six three most times, so that's okay. Yeah, excellent. Well, I shall uh, look forward to following uh, f following the next uh, the next match on uh, on Twitter. Uh, but uh, it sounds like the money, the, the shrewd money's on Dave still. Just right. So we move on. Um, and uh, yeah, PGA National. And what does it take to get the job done here? Well, as Ben says, it's a sort of type of player, and, and the type of player really that's uh, popped up over and over again. If we look at the last ten years, is very much a British Open feel to this event. Um, uh, of course, we've had Podrake Harrington uh, get get a win here. Uh, Rory, of course, although we know Rory can win anywhere. Uh, Ricky Fowler's very much been sort of stamped as a British Open winner of the future, or at least until his Malaysia was. Uh, Adam Scott did everything but win the British Open. And, and then if we go back into the previous track, we had a uh, Todd Hamilton, who, of course, shot the world win the British Open winning here. So so there's very much sort of, you know, can you perform in the wind? Um, uh, have you got a track record on, on open style courses or at the open? Uh, there's been some big names win here. Uh, we had a run, as I say, of Thomas, Fowler and Scott, and then Harrington prior to that although he's, he's obviously not the not the force he was as it were um but then there's also been some maiden winners uh keith mitchell popped up out of the blue uh and um uh sung jm got his uh maiden tour win here uh and of course although that wasn't his maiden win there's one you'll you'll remember very fond, fondly ben if i can get the words out to Ru russell henley i'm still sure you still have a warm glow when you think about that one from uh god seven, seven years ago, eight years ago 2014 is it that long ago um you remember that one well still i trust i do it's funny being on this particular podcast to talk about it is that i was at a bombay bicycle club gig that night <laughs> okay. um, and i'm ashamed to say it's the one time i've been to see a band i love and i have uh, had sky go on so um yeah um my friend wasn't wasn't particularly impressed um and anyway i burst back through the door oh my wife is a patient woman um i burst back through the door at like half 10 at night whatever time it was i dropped my friend back home um and basically grabbed the remote um and changed the channel not not a word of uh apology or anything um just as i can't was it like maybe it was ryan palmer i can't remember who of the the four in the playoff someone had a putt to to effectively extend it um and and it rolled by and then i was i saw it was one of those where henley has got like a foot left and i, I didn't necessarily know 
it's like okay and and then he pops it in and he's won and yeah so i do remember it very well i will never forget that night um yeah. but although I, I don't remember anything about the gig <laughs> well i mean that's um i mean was he 300 to one from memory? He, he was for a time yeah it, was, it goes yeah. down as a th- half a point dave john always uh criticizes me when i go half a point and he uh, he had some words for me the following day <laughs> okay um well dave could have put his own stake on he wanted to to follow you so but um yeah, so so we've had Russell Henley. Um, we've also had Michael Thompson. So that was his maiden tour win. So it's been a bit of a mixed bag. And I suppose over the last few weeks, we've been able to talk about clear sort of stats, if you like, or trends from historical winners, but not so much the case here. Um, course form, current form. We've had some players who have telegraphed their win, like Justin Thomas came in with good form, but then others like Keith Mitchell, who'd, I think, missed the cut here on his only previous visit and, and came uh, back, obviously, onto his preferred Bermuda from the West Coast, but not having really done much. So uh, over on the West Coast, so a bit, bit of a mixed bag, really. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, from a correlated course point of view, um, we can sort of cross-reference with courses where, uh, of course, wind uh, wind play is important and also with other, I guess, what you call classical tests, so your Muirfield Villages, uh, the Nicholas Design, and also Quail Hollow, I see, is a sort of decent link uh, to here as well. Um, I'm going to get my first tune in now. We've been talking about wind being a key factor here. So my first song of the week is um, going to be something by Slow Dive, uh, going back to 1991 from their Just A Day EP, and it's Catch The Breeze. And I think there is a bit of a uh, bit of wind in the forecast this week. So, um, yeah, um, I'm going to put uh, Slow Dive on there. And uh, don't forget, you can listen to the playlist on um, Spotify afterwards. I'll be linking it out. Uh, as I say often, unfortunately, I can't put the songs in the pod themselves because uh, that's a copyright issue, which I'm still looking into. But uh, unfortunately, it very much seems it's something I can't do. But we put the playlist out on Spotify afterwards and link it to the pod. So um, anyway, enough of the, um, should we say, the preambles. Uh Let's get into the tips. Um, well, before we do that, we'll touch on the betting market. Sanjay Im is at 12 to 1. Daniel Berger, Roost Hazen, um, last week's winner, Neiman, all around the 16s mark. Um, Brooks Kepker at 20s. Uh, and then um, Billy Horschel at uh, 22s. And I believe the market leader is your first pick, Ben. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, I've got a bad record when going win only. So um, you might want to just fast forward. But um the the more I looked and and with Horschel's price going, because he was the other one that um that I was very close to putting up. Um, the more I looked, the more uh, the the stronger the case for Song Jay got. I I think you know obviously his record here, he, he won it impressively in a particularly tough renewal a couple of years ago. He he was a very good defending champion, top ten finish last year. Um, despite the fact his approach play was really really poor, I I suspect if I look back. Again, he probably hit a couple of balls in the water, but um, it's a very good course for him. Generally speaking, he's he's been best on Bermuda or certainly away from Poana, and yet he's putted quite well over the last couple of starts and, and played well in tournaments where he doesn't usually play well. He, he hadn't made the cut before at Riviera prior to last week. I, I think his tee to green game over the last six months is right up there with the very, very best in the sport. Um, he's one of those who drives really well despite, like he consistently gains about three quarters of a stroke per round off the tee, despite not really being a power hitter. Um, so he just does not make mistakes. And that's the sort of golfer I really like here. So um, yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, it's all there in front of you, isn't it? But I think, I suppose if you want the extra, like why, why press go on that one, it, it was kind of that, you know, 
Daniel Berger, I think, I suspect still has some injury concerns. Mm. Um, Joaquin Neiman, obviously, if he's in the form he was in last week, then the price will look big. But um, he said it on Sunday. It felt like a month rather than a week, and mm. and it'll be some effort. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he withdrew, to be honest. Um, Brooks Kepka still unconvincing. Tommy Fleetwood still unconvincing, despite my general faith in him. Um, it just felt like there was a real lack of substance at the top of this market. And and there you've got an informed world-class player who's won at the course. And it kind of like, I kept going back to it. No, that, I mean, I'm not going to argue any of that because it makes makes perfect sense. Um, I mean, touching on on that market, as you say, the lack of substance. I, I mean, I was tempted by Kepka, um, basically because he's Kepka uh, and he does win after missing the cut, as he showed at Phoenix last year. Uh, and, uh, of course, this is his backyard and he's played well here before. So it, it might be that come Sunday evening, we're looking at it and thinking four-time major champion, uh, you, you know, a sort of fourth favourite or whatever in this market. Uh, uh, what, what on earth were we thinking as he sort of romps home at 20 to 1. But uh, uh, ultimately, I was drawn in by Billy Horshaw, and he's my first pick. Um, like you, that sort of I was a little bit disappointed. The price pretty much firmed up even, even more as I was getting my preview out there. So we're now at uh, 22 to 1, which is, is very borderline. But um, I suppose my initial gut reaction, this is sort of when you, when you get fields of this, you know, don't be wrong, there's world-class players here, of course, but you get fields of this nature and you sort of, you're thinking, oh, I'm hoping for such and such on so-and-so, and then the market comes up uh, and then suddenly the player you're hoping to get at 66 is his 40s and the guy you're looking to get at 40s is 28s. And then you, you have another look at the market and you think, okay, well, Perhaps it makes a bit more sense because let's look at the field. And uh, and I suppose once I had my initial sort of reaction on Horschel's price, I thought, well, who's he got around him in the market? Uh, and all world-class world players and, of course, you know, major champions in chain and what have you. But the, the four players who are around him in the market, well, Louis is a major champion as well, of course, as well, haven't actually won a title um, since uh, Horschel's won twice. So, you, you know, yes, you've got, well, you've got uh, six major champions between, or six major championships between these guys, Brooks, Lowry, Louis, and then, of course, you've got Fleetwood there as well. But none of them actually won in the period that Horschel's won twice. So so although he hasn't won a stroke play event on the PGA Tour um, for quite a few years now, he's obviously winning, which is more than can be said for some of these guys. And he's very much a confidence player to me. Billy Horschel is someone to follow. I mean, I think it's no secret. He's someone to follow when his, his momentum gets going, as it were, and his confidence is up. Uh, obviously, the FedEx Cup in 2014 is, a, you know, the, the perfect example of that. But um, he's shown that on other occasions as well. His first tour win came on the back of four top tens when when he won at the Zurich, when it was a solo event still. Um, he's... Um, his win at the match play last year came uh, just two or three weeks after he'd been runner-up at Concession, which, of course, is another Nicholas design in Florida. So that's a, a good link for us there. So he's always going to be on my radar when he's um, finished 11th and 6th uh, in his last two starts. Uh, it's actually been his putter that's been doing the, the business for him more than his sort of historically renowned ball striking of late. But his ball striking did perk up um in phoenix in his last round he gained three and a half uh, strokes tee to green um he's obviously got the history here he's had a couple of top tens here and of course um you know he's a florida guy as we know so um so yeah i i just could couldn't get away from him really so that that's uh uh that's why it was billy for me uh he's my first pick two points each way um 
I'm going to put a song in for Billy as well. And this is a very tenuous link, but uh, uh, I love this song, despite the fact that Ladbrokes have uh, commandeered it of late uh, for their, their adverts. And um, it's the Subways and Rock and Roll Queen. Uh, the tenuous link is the lead singer of the Subways is called Billy. Um, and also to boot, we know Billy loves his time over in the UK as a West Ham fan. So, um, uh, yeah, so that's another uh, even more tenuous link. But uh, it's Billy from the Subways and Rock and Roll Queen um, with uh, or for Billy Horschel. So um, that's my first pick of the week. And I believe your second pick, Ben, is a guy who was very close to being um, on my shortlist, well, was on my shortlist, being my team as, as well. Yeah, Alex Noren. Um, I uh, I had him on the list very early on in my research. And then as, as events unfolded at Riviera, um, he did what I wanted him to do, really, which which wouldn't have been expected, but but was nevertheless welcome, which was hit the ball really well and not hold many putts, which is not like Noren um, in terms of the putting. He, he was, you know, field leading putting display in Phoenix. Um, I'd be more than confident that he can he can quickly get back to something approaching that. I'm not going to go ahead and say he'd be the best putter in the field, but, you know, top 20 or so as well within his compass. And his iron play was the best it's been in a year. Um, he's never won really to... to gain more than a small insignificant amount off the tee um but here if he can just keep it in the fairway off the tee i, I think it's a great course for him you know we saw that in 2018 when he was third he was a arguably a better player then um certainly in terms of of ranking and and prestige that was obviously the year he went on to play in the Ryder cup but um i think as has sort of become more commonly accepted over the last six months his body of work over the last two years is far better than he gets credit for Mm. Um, ultimately he's he's kind of abandoned the DP World Tour and has been playing on the PGA Tour and he's made cut after cut a lot of mid-pack finishes but played well in the playoffs last year you know he's done a lot of good stuff um, yeah. and in a field like this you know his his record of winning on the European Tour as it was um, as it was called is, is significant and it's a pretty similar test to the Golf National which is the place he won his last title uh, mm. a couple of years ago so uh, as you know Martin there's loads to like it's just a case of you know whether you quite see enough in the price and stuff and, and I was happy with 33 I think we 35 to 1 with William Hill at the time I published I, I was happy with that with the eight places and um, yeah well again not going to disagree with that because that was the reasons why uh, I was very close to putting him up. So I'm hoping it's not going to be another of those weeks where I'm, uh, I mean, you know, it'd be nice for you to have another winner, Ben, bring the hatch up, <laughs> but uh, uh, hopefully it's not going to be another of those weeks where uh, I, I feel as though I, I just made slightly the wrong turn and uh, it, it could have gone my way again, but that's uh, golf betting for you if it does happen. So, um, and I believe you're going to bring a song in in relation to Alex Noren, which uh, I will be honest is something I've not heard before or heard of before. So uh, uh, tell us more, Ben. Yeah, I've gone for Waiting for Kirsten by uh, Jens Lechman. Uh, Jens Lechman is, not to be confused with the formal, former Arsenal goalkeeper, um, <laughs> is a Swedish uh, songwriter who sings in my preferred tone, which is baritone. Um, and um, he he's a wonderful storyteller. If you like words in songs as much as you like melodies, I think you'd find something in his catalogue. Um, he, his songs make me laugh. Um, I dare say they could make you cry. Um, I'm, I, I said that like I was, oh, don't cry. Oh, his songs have definitely made me cry at times. Um, he, he's, he's a great musician. And if you can see him live, I know I'm not going to convince anyone to go and see Jens Lechman live here, but I'll try. Uh, if you go and see him live, it's, it's a real treat. He's a, he's a really charming and, and talented and entertaining performer. And the song Waiting for Kirsten is, in my opinion, Jens Lechman at his best because it's very, very playful and it's about... Uh, a real life event where he and his mate followed Kirsten Dunst around Stockholm. 
Okay, well, I'm not going to promise I'll be going to see him live, but I'll certainly be promising to listen to the song because I've never heard it before. Uh, so that will be my starting point with Jens Lechman. And um, yeah, looking forward to it and I'm sure I'll enjoy it. My next pick uh, is the guy who got in my team um, as opposed to Alex Noren. So uh, make of that what you will. Uh, but it is... Uh, Johnny Johannatan Vegas, uh, and I'm going a point each way on um, Johnny Vegas at 40 to 1. Uh, and yeah, again, it, it's all pretty much there in, in front of you with, with Vegas this week. Uh, he has, of course, performed well here before, uh, five cuts in a row, including a fourth place uh, in the last five years. So we, we know he likes the track, uh, and we know he likes Nicholas Courses because he's uh, got the back-to-back -back wins uh, at Glen Abbey, which were his last two two wins on tour in the Canadian Open. So we, we've got the correlating course links we're looking for, and of course the like of the uh, course as well. Uh, and then uh, we have his, he's the type of player we're looking for here. I'm certainly looking for here, which, uh, uh, again, of course, is part of why he likes the course is his, uh, his strength is tee to green game. Uh, and his, uh, tee to green game was firing in all cylinders, uh, or most cylinders down at, uh, or across at Riviera. Uh, he finished down the pack. Um, but that was the putter misbehaving, which often does for him. Uh, but, uh, he was 14th in approach, uh, and 10th in the good old fashioned, um, greens in regulations over at Riviera. And that sort of, mirrors his um uh well he's not quite up there that high on the season but that's where his strengths are um in approach t to green uh and the putter is the weak link but looking back last year he did actually putt a lot better here and uh you know had he hit the ball as well as he's hitting it of late uh last year here uh, and puttered like he did uh he would have been um much higher at the leaderboard last year so my hope is that he can bring an improved putting display uh to um uh, the change of greens onto the bermuda surfaces uh and um build on last week uh, and if so I, th I think um you know he's long overdue and you say that about loads of players but he's long overdue another tour win uh and I, I do also like i know this is something that you look at a lot, Ben, as well, and and you sort of uh, talked to Dave about this the other week as to sort of how much you know it actually does make a difference to players. But I know us punters like to latch on to anything we can. Uh, it was nice to see um, Vegas was by the side of the 18th, sort of beaming away, uh, congratulating Neiman on his win yesterday, and, and I can only assume on that that um, they're reasonably close, um, and therefore hopefully we'll take a little bit of inspiration from that win. Um, I, I noticed Pereira had been backed quite heavily today and, and obviously I'm sure he got a cursory glance from you as he did from me on that um, very simple reason of will one Chilean win lead to another Chilean win and um, yeah, do you, do, you, do you put up, well I know you do so I'm asking a question I know the answer to, to but uh, would you put a lot of stall into something like sort of uh, Pereira latching on from Neiman or Vegas latching on from, from Neiman? Yep. Yep, definitely. Um, and and of the two, I, I I would shade Vegas. I mentioned Mito in my preview because I felt it was it was necessary to. But but I I would prefer Vegas. I think a bit of experience here counts for a lot. Um, I like the case you made. I do. Uh, you know, if he if he can find a putting stroke, then uh, I, I put him up in the first round lead last week, and partly yeah. because he he played the best golf in the whole field over the weekend of the Saudi International on his prior start. So um, he's clearly got got it in him to to go and yeah. win again soon. Um, you know, he's he's one of those who's really improved he's always been a good driver of the ball but he's he's better than ever now and it, it's a shame the other things haven't fallen into place but yeah i believe uh, him 
Carlos Ortiz, um, uh, Sebastian Munoz in particular have been very close with with Joaquin as as, as well as Sergio has been something mm. of a mentor to him. So players to keep in mind over the weeks to come. Absolutely. Um, and back over to you, a Cu- couple of players. Well, one of which we, we do we do agree on one player this week. Well, we agree on a lot of players, but one player we both tipped this week. So um, I'll let you talk us through him and also uh, uh, one of your uh, Georgia men, which will uh, lead to some Georgia music. So, um, uh, yeah, a cu- couple of guys around the same sort of price that uh, you're keen on there, Ben. Yeah, so Aaron Wise, we're, we're looking for improvement, aren't we? And, and I know that he's someone you've gone with. I know he's another player like Neiman, who you've been a big advocate of. Um, was he in your six to follow last year or this? He was in my six to follow last year. And I, and I remember that bet we also had about him and Cameron Champ getting a, a top 10 who would get the next one or something or top five. And not, neither of them managed it for the rest of the year. I seem to remember a couple of years back. And, and <laughs> yes, I, went I remember Wise that. And he went with Champ. So, um, but yes, I'm a fan of Wise. So, yeah. And, and look, he's made a, a quiet start to the year. But actually, you know, if you take out Phoenix where he just played terribly and I put him up that week and he was disappointing. Tory Pines, he missed the cut on the number and he shot 67 at the North course. He played in the South course on Friday and missed the cut by a shot. No problem with that. He'd been away for three months. And then last week he's hit the ball better at Riviera where he, his record is abysmal. Mm-hmm. So actually two of his three performances this year can be spun quite positively. And then, then you're looking back to last year and he ended last year like a player who was going to have a big year in 2022 so um all of a sudden I, I got quite warm to him and obviously the the former the honda is in the book he's played it three times played well all three times shot 64 64 over the first mm. two rounds uh to lead by three uh last year was unable to do a neiman and and go on and 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 win but further evidence that the course works for him so um yeah, that, that was it for me really i saw the necessarily long the necessary long game improvements um as far as he was concerned. Uh, and the other one um, was Brian Harmon, who um, I would say if you were just wanting to bat one of mine this week, I think Harmon might be might be the one I, I, I found most compelling, probably mostly because his tee to green stats in Phoenix were his best for five years since he won the Wells Fargo. Um, he putted strangely poorly there, but obviously the putter's been his strength um, during the course of his PGA Tour career. He is a bit frustrating. He's won twice in you know the last eight years, um, mm. which is, you know, not to be sniffed at. A lot of guys who haven't won anything in that time, but it, it it's probably less than you, you would expect from him. You might think he'd have three or four by now. Um, but back on the, the East Coast, back at a course where he's the co-course record holder, shot 61 here on yeah, debut, yeah, shot 64 that, yeah. a few years later when Rory won. So um, he, he, he doesn't have a top 10 here. He's one of those, bit like Neiman last week. Mm. Like It looks like he's got an average course record, but actually it just doesn't, He's just not put his four rounds together. So we'll, we'll hope he does this week. And some music to go with Brian Harmon, I believe. Yeah, well, as someone who professes to only listen to the Mountain Goats, <laughs> which is a, a joke based on a podcast title, um, I, I wanted to get the Mountain Goats in. I thought I was going to do it by Billy Horschel and a tenuous link from Billy to Goat. Ah, right, um, yes, yes. But because I couldn't do that, I, I decided I needed to make sure the song was um, was appropriate. And going to Georgia is therefore the song I've chosen. It's not my favourite Mountain Goat song, but it's 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 not far off. Um, and obviously, it feels like we're on the road to the Masters. If Harmon were to win, uh, indeed, if 
Norwood to win as well and, and various others that we've mentioned, they would be going to Georgia for the Masters. So uh, it's one of their lo-fi, slightly bedroom-style recording songs, but a, a brilliant piece uh, of, of songwriting by John Darniel, who I think is my favourite human, be- human being I've never met. Apart from you, of course, Martin. Of course, absolutely. Um, well, that's another song I've never heard before and another song I'm looking forward to listening to. So, I'm, um, I mean, this is actually part of the pleasure or one of the biggest pleasures of doing this podcast is I get to hear songs which I should have obviously heard before but haven't heard before and, um, yeah, and are absolutely fantastic. Uh, and, you know, D- Dave the other week uh, introduced me to, and I can't remember the name of the band now, so, uh, but uh, it's there on uh, episode three or four or whatever, if anyone wants to backtrack on it. But uh, uh, the West Coast Experimental Pop Art Band or something like that. I don't know if you're familiar with them, Ben. But, I can't um, say that I am, no. Yeah. Well, D- Dave um, brought them in uh, when we were over on the West Coast the other week, and uh, that was a cracking tune. Um, uh, you know, we've had a, I never knew that... Um, Depeche Mode did a cover of Route 66 till Niall brought that out the other week. So uh, there's been, um, been been some great tunes. I get to hear some uh, re- really good new music on this, and uh, I'm sure that will be another of them. Um, on the music front, Ben, and I'm always keen to ask this to my guests because uh, uh, when uh, when I invite people on, sort of they they tend to be far more excited about the music part of it than um, bringing golf tips into it. So uh, is music something? Um, that's always been massively important to you. I mean, uh, you know, when I was chatting with Dave, we were talking about sort of uh, uh, how he was listening to John Peel when he was a kid and, and what have you. Sort of, what, what was your what first got you into to music? And um, yeah, how how important a part of your life does it still play? A massive part of my life, and it, it has done for as long as I can remember. Um, like many things, um, my dad is responsible. I, I blame him for lots of things, including mm-hmm. hair loss. Um, but I'll thank him for um, for music. Um, you know, he used to uh, he was a subscriber to Q magazine for from as young as I can remember. My dad is the person who told me about the Strokes before I'd heard of them, um, right. which is which is a cool point for my dad. Um, but but way before that, when I was a kid in the car, we'd have the Cranberries, Led Zeppelin, Nirvana. Right. Uh, you know, it, it just a bit of everything. I mean, he will listen to anything. He's, I've, I've been to see Felix Beloy with him, who uh, is, a, I believe, a Cuban musical star. Um, one of my first gigs with my dad was The Levelers, and I've never seen so many stoned people in my life. <laughs> um, it's quite an eye-opening experience as a, I was a child. Um, I, I, it's just, it's, it's colored my entire life. I, you know, I'd, like many, I suspect, of your listeners, I've I was in a band, you know, it's just, there's right. nothing, you know that, so, so. well, I, you know, I won't tell you the name because it's, it's one of those things. Um, being in a band is probably, I think it's one of the things I'm most proud of, but also most sort of, it'd be like someone reading my diary. Do you know what I mean? If, 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 if someone, and there's no record of it on the internet cause we weren't successful, but um, if, if someone were to listen to my band's, on uh, unknowing to me and this is we're talking you know 15 years ago 20 years yeah. ago um it would be like someone reading my diary it was it was very much of its time and uh, you know i was i was 20 years old and um you know becoming who i am or whever and um it's a very personal thing um so i probably shouldn't have brought it up but i i would say like I, you no, know i've got I, I've got a five-year-old, and and if I could choose one thing for him to do with his with his sort of teenage years, it would be to be in a band with his mates because there's nothing like it. So, because 
We brought up. Well, you weren't brought up in the Leeds area. Where you went to uni in Leeds area, am I right in saying? Or no, no, I went to university in Nottingham. Ah, um, right, Nottingham. Right. Um, my grand, my dear departed grandma, I, I believe, died believing that I went to the University of Nottingham, which I did not. I went to Nottingham Trent University. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Nottingham was was where I went to uni, and I'm I'm from not too far away from there. Right. Now the only reason I asked that was. Um, uh, my best mate went to Leeds Uni, uh, and um, I spent quite a few weekends there, sort of going to the Duchess of York and the Cockpit Club and places like that. So, did you ever go to the Brudenell? Um, I never went to a gig at the Brudenell, but I know of it. So, um, oh, yeah. please, please make it a thing. You know, come over yeah. to Leeds and we'll go and see a gig at the Brudenell. Absolutely, no, d- definitely. But I was, I was wondering if I might have stumbled across your band playing at the Duchess of York back in the day. But uh, no, we did. Um, we, we, I tell you, I'll, given that we've opened the can of worms now, the yeah. the biggest place we played was in a it was in a competition so we weren't you know it wasn't yeah. like um we merited the stage but we played at Birmingham Bar Flight when when I was about 20 years old and um and I remember it because and it's a good example of why I think being in a band is really good like really a good thing to do if you if you can and if you if you like music and stuff I mean anyone who's heard me sing will argue I should never have been anywhere near a band but um that's that's besides the point but we, we were on stage at Birmingham Bar Flight and, and I got heckled um by like the dad of another band and he said something really 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 cruel and i think that's one of the i and i will never forget it um but uh, it's, it's a great i had a great show i'm not going to the details but i had a yeah, great yeah. show of kinship among my friends and family that day mm. and it's stuff like that that you get like we my friends and i played in a, a band when we were in school and we played a gig in the local pub and we packed out the pub like we just because of course we told all our friends we're the only yeah, kids yeah. in school who were in a band so we we told all our friends to come down to the three nuns pub in loughborough and um and everyone brought their f- some you know friends friends of friends uncles aunties my uncle was there and it's stuff like that, that you mm. I, I think music's great for that because it's like it's a way to connect with people in ways that you didn't know you could connect with them and you know, especially being British, when we don't really necessarily say things all the time, even to people we love, like being able to bond over music has been, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a real gift to have. Um, and I, I have some friends who, honestly, they no interest in music and never been to a gig. And I don't pity many people for many things, but I do pity them for that. Yeah, and I I've, I've, I know plenty of people who music just to them is sort of something to have a bit of a dance to at a party, or it's on the background in the lift or something. And and uh, yeah, I, I don't get that either at all. So, um, so if you were in the Three Nuns in two thousand and two or thereabouts in Loughborough, you might have seen Ben's band play. So, um, anyone in Loughborough, let me know. Um, seems a good time to move on to the back nine questions which uh, uh like um most of our listeners you are going in blind to here ben or most of my guests i should say you're going in blind to and i'm going to throw these questions at um at you as i do to the guests each week um before we then move on with the remainder of the tips so the first record slash cd you ever bought oh um with my own money yeah. um i i remember the day uh, i bought I think I bought three records on the same day. I can't remember one of them. I bought Feeling Strangely Fine by Semisonic. I bought Americana by The Offspring. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm glad you asked this. I can't remember what the other one was. It could have been bad, but there you go. So th- I think the answer technically would be would be Feeling Strangely Fine by Semisonic. Yeah, that that seems to, the pattern of this is that people say so I bought two or three and there's two crackers in there and, and then something that let, lets it down completely. But um, yeah, uh, the first gig you ever went to? Uh, it will have been someone with my dad. Um, I think it was the Water Boys with my dad. Um, oh, right. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Okay. 
Um, on to golf, and this might be one we've talked about already. Uh, the best golf winner you've ever had. Doesn't have to necessarily be the biggest price, but um, yeah, the best golf winner you've ever had. Oh, but Martin, there have been so many. Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I don't know. I'd probably be Andrew Landry, um, yeah. maybe. Because yeah. like you, you know what it's like whenever you stray outside the the data or the whatever mm. you you'll always have people <laughs> telling you you're talking twaddle and andrew landry mm. was selected largely on the nappy factor and, yeah, playing, yeah. and playing back home in texas just after becoming mm. a dad um and he went and won didn't he so that yeah. pays for a lot of uh pays for a lot of misjudgments <laughs> yeah so no there's a sort of um i mean i've Certainly not as many 250 to 1 winners of you as you have, obviously, but uh, there's a sort of almost a sense of disbelief. I remember being sat watching the TV screen at 2.30 in the morning, whatever the time is when Vegas finishes, when Martin Laird holed out and won, um, won in the playoff. Uh, and it was a sort of a sense of disbelief for about two minutes because it looked for all the world that he'd blown it when he win, win, didn't win in regulation. And then he wins um, wins in the playoff. And, and you sort of think, did that really just happen when you get a winner at that price? But uh, 100%. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of the coin, the worst beat, um, the one that stings the most where you thought you had it won and then they took a triple at the last or whatever. Um, Matt Kucha holding out from the bunker at Hilton Head. I'd had a good bet on Luke Donald that year and it looked like it was his year. I, I think that's the one that immediately springs to mind. As it happens, I had also backed Matt Kuchar when Matt Jones holed out from the bunker in Houston <laughs> to beat Matt Kuchar. So among the many reasons to not particularly like Matt Kuchar, I have two pretty strong ones. But yeah, I would say they're, they're probably the two. Um, I do, I'll just throw in one more random one because for some reason it just sticks. The year Leishman won at Bay Hill and Kisner had led. I don't know what it was about that. I think it was that I really, I really must have thought the sixty-six is Kisner as he was that week was like just a brilliant bet, and it, mm. it, you know, that when they don't win, it, it, and and they look like they're going to, and it, and Leishman hold a massive putt for eagle, and yeah, I mean, look, there have been loads, haven't there? But you know, yeah, um, most of them you forget. Most memorable gig. Um. Oh, now there's even more of those. Um. It probably something at the Brunel, like Mountain Goats at the Brunel, just after the Paris attacks was was a very moving gig. Um, but Al, to, to mention a band that some people might actually have heard of and listened to, um, I saw the Libertines in HMV on Oxford Street when I was about 16, and they hadn't even released their first album. And a friend of mine, um, who was very, you know, he was, he was in quite a successful band, actually, um, he, um, he got us, you know, wristbands for it or whatever and we went down on the national express just you know when you're 16 and you're like this is the biggest adventure anyone's ever been on i feel like yeah. i'm gonna stand by me or something um so yeah libertines at hmv in 2001 or whatever it would have been okay um your dream four ball with you in it so there's only three to pick uh but it's only musicians or golfers so no politicians <laughs> or anything like that so yeah uh, dead or alive so we can suspend belief here it doesn't have to be living see the dead air that's coming will will confirm that i did not get an advanced look at these questions no, although i should have predicted this one um i definitely will say john daniel of, yeah, of we'll the mountain goats well, yeah. um i'd be intimidated by his uh intelligence i think but um he seems like a good person who would not make me feel worse for that um so i'll definitely say him uh, i have to say rory mcelroy i don't think it'll be a surprise to anyone to learn that i am madly in love with the man um <laughs> and he can pay me back for all the things he's cost me i suppose as well yeah. so we'll go with him uh one more musician um or golfer 
musician or golfer sorry i i, I, I don't want to think too long about this uh, but equally i don't want to get it wrong um yeah maybe like aaron desner from the national there you go okay um your favorite course on the pga tour that's the regular tour event stop or event or event not the course but event I always like TPC Boston, um, believe it or not, and, and okay. what used to be the Deutsche Bank Championship. Yeah. Some, I, I think that just coincides with my first sort of forays into into golf. Um, the Travelers is where I tipped my first winner, Bubba Watson. Mm. Um, so maybe one of those two. Uh, I've had DJ at the Travelers as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much focused on what's been good to me. So I'll go with the Travelers. I do like that event. Uh, and where it sits in the calendar, I quite like all those events that are after the major. They feel like you know, you sort of exhale a little bit and uh, get back to the, the meat and drink. And, and yeah, I'll go with the Travellers, TPC River Highlands. I was actually, we talked about Bubba's first win there. I was actually on, on that as well. And uh, and I backed GMAC at the US Open the week before. So that was, Ooh, that's a, that's a uh, good that, that was a great fortnight. So, uh, yeah. Um, your most treasured record, your one Desert Island disc, as it were. Um, I, I, I suppose you weren't meaning in a literal sense, but I... In, one of the bands I was hoping to use uh, here, if, if this was actually Dennis Island Disc, that I, I I love and will always love, uh, Hope of the States. And it's in, right. you know when you see like your worlds intersect, mm. Sam Hurley from Hope of the States, who's the lead singer of a tremendous and tragic band of yeah. the early 2000s, um, who were everything I loved about music then and, and probably still are. Um, he's now, you know, like most musicians who don't, you know, record 10 albums and turn into mm. bono he he's just he like runs a restaurant and has children he's just just a normal yeah. man right yeah. um but he really likes golf it turns out he follows no laying up on twitter and he, okay. he engages with them when i saw that it's like it blew my mind like some how, how are we not mates I, I don't know why he doesn't know who i am is baffling but he doesn't um but i will go with uh, hope of the states um their first album is 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 I think one of the most underrated albums uh, of my lifetime, and I have, um, I have everything they have ever recorded on hard copy um, because I was a I was a super fan. Okay, uh, I do. I never saw them live, but I do do know them. Know them, so they're not um, completely new to me. I do remember them. So, um, um, yeah. And finally, Jack or Tiger, the goat. Well, that's not difficult. Uh, well, there's something that has been. <laughs> if you'd asked me before been. Jack Nicholas endorsed Donald Trump, I might have oh, said yeah. Jack Nicholas, <laughs> but I'm going to go with Tiger Woods, who has at least okay. not publicly endorsed the bloke. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll go with Tiger Woods. Um, in terms of golfers as well, like obviously I'm I'm not old enough to have even like 1986 Nicholas and that brilliant yeah. Masters win. I, I was one year, year old, so of course I'm going to go for the guy I've seen. Yeah, But yeah. I also think it's worth saying that like, Tiger um, did what he did. It, you know, as a black kid in a in a white man's sport. Um, I think I, 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 you know, I'm not getting to like a sociological conversation here, but I think there's his achievement as a sportsman is unparalleled in our era. Uh, I would say, and um, I put him ahead of Jack. I don't care if he hasn't won as many majors. He would have if he was fit, wouldn't he? He'd have won 25. So, yeah, Tiger all the way. Do you think he will? Well, uh, I think he will. I think we both probably agree that he'll play on the PGA Tour again. Can you see him winning on the PGA Tour again? Uh, I've said it before. I'm done underestimating Tiger Woods. So yeah, I can. Um, yeah. I was one of those idiots who suggested he retires about five years ago, and um, I'm trying to limit opinions like that because they're crap and they serve no purpose. Um, I won't totally have eliminated them, but I I just felt like he had nothing more to to prove or to achieve, and then look what he did. I mean, he's phenomenal. Yeah. 
Okay, and uh, seems good to talk about music. Seems a good time to have another song, and um, I believe uh, you're going to bring in. This will be the first band to get two picks on the uh, on the play on the playlist. When I said two picks, not two picks this week, but to make their their second appearance, and it's another one in honour of um, PJ National, I believe, Ben. Yeah, so that gig that I played at the Three Nuns Pub, right? Yeah. I'll set. This is you know I was 16 years old or whatever it was, um, 17 maybe. Our set list was about 10 songs by Stereophonics, a couple of songs <laughs> by Jet, and then like two songs we'd written. Um, and when we had to do an encore, um, we we didn't have any more songs we knew, so we just played a couple of songs again. And one of them was Goldfish Bowl by Stereophonics from their first album. I think um, Word Gets Around is a brilliant record. Mm. I, I, I don't like their evolution as a band, but in the yeah, early days, yeah. they were fabulous. And uh, Goldfish Bowl is a line in it that includes the word sink or swim, and obviously... We'll be hoping players uh, swim this week at the uh, at the Bear Trap. <laughs> yeah, um, local boy and photograph is my favourite track of theirs. So I agree with you that uh, Stereophonics are definitely a band who sort of started out the best and gradually sort of well, weren't for me as they they got right down the line. But yeah, I love. I'm local glad boy we agree on that. I was worried yeah. I was going to be offending you, but no, that, not that at all. First album, the the storytelling in that first album is just delicious i yeah. i listen to it now and it gives me the same buzz um yeah as it as it did back then and goldfish bowl is not my favorite on it i local boy is the first song i learned to play on guitar i think so well it isn't uh, obviously it was wonderwall because that's the first song everybody yeah. learns to play on guitar but the first song i learned to play in a band was definitely local boy in the photograph and uh, i remember the video for that as kelly mm. jones has got a, uh, is it a safeway or a tesco t-shirt on i'm gonna dig that, that out when we're yeah. finished speaking <laughs> Yeah, uh, but that's a cracking tune. As is um, "More Life in the Tramps Vest" as well. It's another cracking tune from that uh, that Stereophonics era, uh, which I've been saving for this. When um, uh, well, I was saving it for when Keith Keith Mitchell, but his caddy left, didn't they? They split company, didn't they? Um, Scruffy Peter, whether his uh, caddy was called, uh, uh, who used to sort of pitch up his own tent and what have you. He's they're, they're no longer. He's not, they're longer together, are they, Mitchell? Crun and, crunchy Pete, Crunchy Pete, yeah, I think that's, that's his, yeah. yeah. that's what I was looking for, yeah. So, uh, but they're not together anymore, am I right in saying? No, they're not. I think they split at the end of last year. Yeah, so uh, that was where I was saving more life of the Tramps vest for anyway, because um, <laughs> Crunchy Pete sort of pitch up his tent and what have you, and sort of a, um, but uh, anyway, I digress. Um, so back to the golf picks, and uh, I'm going to rattle through, because otherwise we'll be here um, forever, and as much as everyone likes to listen to Ben and possibly even me, we don't want to keep you here forever. So um, I'm going to rattle through my remaining three selections, because they're all around a similar price. Um Starting with um, Camilo Vajegas. Uh, and I guess this is a bit of a simplistic pick, and it's one of those that could either be seen as a lazy pick or an obvious pick come come the end of the week. But uh, um, we know that Camilo is the type of player who is far better suited to uh, performing back over on the East Coast. Uh, he's obviously a past champion here at PJ National. He was eighth here last year. Um, it's, of course, you know, as well documented, been a very, very difficult time personally for Camillo over the recent years with the tragic loss of his daughter. And um, he's been gradually getting his career back on track. I mean, he's not got a full card at the moment. I think he's here on an invite this week or possibly past champions. Um, but um, he was solid over on the West Coast. He's made his last three cuts uh, in a row. Um, he... Um, he just looks like the type of player who'll, who'll spring back into action over on a, on a track that he knows a lot better. And I just felt he was worth rolling the dice on, basically. Uh, if we look at his other best efforts over the last 
12, 18 months. Uh, he was 12th at the Valspar. Um, I think he was six at the RSM. So again, all East Coast related stuff. And I just thought that the odds, the three figure odds, he, he was worth chancing to build on what he's been doing over on the on the West Coast. Um, Adam Svensson, uh, Ben, you alluded to him earlier. He's been well-backed um, uh, today. Uh, the price had unfortunately come in slightly. Uh, there was a little bit of 125s when we started this podcast, but I suspect that's probably gone now, 110s or 100s uh, even. And um, Svensson is another who's flagged himself up as... as um, someone who'll perform on the on the windy tracks. He won in the Bahamas. Um, he was seventh at the Sony earlier this year. Uh, he lives down in this area. He went to college in Florida and, and in Miami, and he lives. Um, he's one of these local guys. Uh, and most importantly, I guess for the link for this week, and this is probably what people have latched on, uh, was his win at um, PJ National on the Corn Ferry Qualifying School back in uh 2015 where he won by seven shots so he's obviously got an affinity to the track uh, i actually put him up in this when he was on tour uh back in 2019 uh and um, i put him up at 250 to one for pretty much the same reasons if he was going to make an impact anywhere this could, could well have been the place uh and although he didn't do too much that week i mean he did make the cut he actually shot a 64 in round two i think it was so again he showed an affinity to the to the track uh and um he's obviously much better equipped this time around he, he's already say put in some decent showings on the tour so uh i, I just thought uh he, he was worth chancing to again build on what he's been do, doing out on the west coast third one of these three at a slightly bigger price again going with the theme that um guys who i think could be um Buoyed by the move back over to Florida, and Hayden Buckley was one of the first on my list this week. To be honest, obviously he wasn't playing over at the Genesis, so you know it wasn't a case of waiting for anything other than see what his odds were. Uh, but I'm more than happy with 150 to one. Uh, Buckley's a Florida-based guy. Um, he's already done us a huge favourite at the Sanderson's um, uh, back before Christmas, where he finished fourth, and we were on board. He's gone slightly off the boil um, over on the West Coast. He, he was in that high-profile um, feature group when um, Simpson withdrew at the last minute uh, at uh, Phoenix, and uh, he, he was thrown in with a couple of the big names there, and he ended up missing the cut. But uh, Florida seems to be very much his, his, his place, as it were. Um, he's based in Florida now. He won the Lecom Classic um, in Florida this time last year. The event has just been actually going on. But Benny Arm um, won. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, I just feel that his ball striking will be suited to PJ National, and he actually played it a couple of years ago. Um, so, uh, and he made the cut then. So I, I just thought, again, he's someone that I can see um, really improving for getting back on the Bermuda and over in Florida. Um, any thoughts on any of those, Ben? I know in particular Svensson was on your radar. Yeah, Svensson, for all the reasons you said. I, I think it, it's he's one of those that, um, and this is a really good example of how, you know, when people ask, and they do sometimes, not very often. Like, how how do you become someone who does this for a living or whatever? I I think immersing yourself in the sport is clearly the number one thing, and in a way that like, and it's not a slight on them, but like golf traders, not always big golf fans. Um, increasingly, they're people who are good at maths. Um, you know, traders tend to be maths graduates now, and it doesn't necessarily mean they love the sport. There there will be exceptions, and obviously, a lot of them grow to love the sport, but. Um, among the many other reasons why they they might not have as close an eye on it as as you might, um, which includes like pricing up twelve events, um, 
is that they might not be massive fans. And and the reason I'm saying this is that in Svensson, just the things you read and the things you hear people, and people seem to think he could be very, very good, and he's not really shown it. Um, and I think we're beginning to see in his second try at PGA Tour level um, the little signs that he could be very, very good um, because we should remember that, you know, not everyone is a is a Morikawa, right? So, mm. and he's obviously never going to be that good, but um, some people progress a little bit slower and, and uh, his second bite of the cherry, I, I think you have a solid year and, and it'll be based around his approach play. So, yeah, he was he was definitely on the list. Viegas was also on the list, to be honest with you. Um, less so Buckley, but I, I think the case is an interesting one, yeah. Before we move on to your last two picks, actually another player I just mentioned there and maybe something to give our listeners a heads up on. Um, I did note with interest that Benny Arn's in the Monday queue today after the win. Uh, and of course, he does have history here. And um, of course, has Jack Nicholas history across um, over at uh, Muirfield Village as well. If he does get in on the Monday queue, and I've absolutely no idea what he is shooting or shot today, so this could be a completely moot point or already he could have packed up his bags and gone over. He's two under through nine as we speak. Um, okay. But you need six under to get through. It looks like there's going to be genuinely a 20-man playoff for three places on five under. Right. Um, it, it's going to be amazing. So watch right. out for that tomorrow. Um, okay. Uh, your man Chase Cipher will be in it, um, as things stand. So will David Lingmuth. But there is a, yeah. a 12-way tie for second with uh, 20 players still to finish. Right. Well, that's interesting. It doesn't sound like Ben's going to get in, um, as in Ben Arm, not you, Ben. Um, would, um, would he have interest if you sort of saw tomorrow he did miraculously get in, if he sort of birdied six of the last nine or something? Um, would he pique your interest as a sort of a late sort of uh, put a couple of quid on Betfair? Or do you think he... The, Gas tank might be running a little bit empty after that and the win last week. No, I'm. I mean, this will sound like after time or whatever. It's not meant to. I think I would have been a little bit like it's annoying to miss him last week because if you were paying attention, I can I can imagine a lot of people backed him last week. You know, Ben Ann, uh, a former world number one amateur who's won one of the biggest events on the European Tour and who has gone close to winning some of the biggest events on the PGA Tour, playing in his adopted home state of Florida on a golf course where power is important. Um, mm. at 50 to 1 on the Corn Ferry Tour. I mean, yeah, I would have struggled to take hundreds about him in this uh, the week after. But yeah, I, I hope he can re-establish himself, that's for sure. Excellent. And we move on to your final two selections. Um, and uh, well, I don't have to be followed by another tune, but your final two picks, which uh, uh, are, um, yeah, bit bigger price guys. Yeah, Austin Smotherman, first of all. Um, to be honest, I'd just been, I had my head turned by his ball striking in the last few weeks. I, I mentioned him in one of my previews for the, I think it was for the Amex, uh, where he, he played poorly, but then in his next start, he was 11th in the Farmers. He finished mid-pack at Pebble Beach, but he was fifth at halfway there. And Pebble Beach probably wouldn't be the course for him. But he is Californian, so, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think coming to the East Coast is a good thing. But um, he went to Southern Methodist in, in Texas with Bryson DeChambeau. He's based in Dallas now. Uh, Zalatoris and Scheffler and uh, and various others. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily put Bermuda and the, and the changing conditions as a as an excuse. I just really like the way he's hitting it. I think he's probably one of those from the Corn Ferry Tour who can go on and establish himself. And I, I do think he will look at Thigala and Cameron Young, who are both not just young rookies from the Corn Ferry Tour, but they're also from California. Um, 
I do think he'll have looked at those for, for a bit of inspiration. I think the gap has never been narrower and this is obviously a very, very weak field. So um, that's kind of it. You know, he'll he'll need a short game to improve a little bit. And the fact that he's a big hitter is not going to help him that much here. But his iron play has been really good the last couple of weeks. Um, if he brings that with him, that alone will keep him um, involved in, in some capacity. Um, the other one is Luke Donald. Now, I, I, sometimes when you type things, but you, you, you sort of know that people are going to read that and think, oh, come off it. Um, I mean this. Last year, I tipped Luke Donald in this event at 500 to 1. And apart from the fact he made a 9 on a par 3, he played really well. Um, but hmm. he, did, he did make a 9 on a par 3. So I accept, you know, that's it's a bit like saying if he hadn't conceded three goals, you, you, you might not have lost that football match. Um, but... Um, yeah, Luke Donald, his approach play is really good at the moment. He gained two and a half strokes in two rounds in Phoenix. He gained three and a half strokes in four rounds in Hawaii. Uh, he gained a stroke in his one measured round at Pebble Beach. So he's consistently hitting his irons really well. We saw that from him last year. You know, last spring in the Nelson, he was the third best iron player. He was fifth best iron player in the 3M Open, fourth best in the Dunhill Links. His iron play can still compete. His putting can still compete. He was fourth in putting in the Palmetto Championship. He was mid-pack putting at Pebble Beach, 22nd at Sony. His around the green game can still compete. 11th at Pebble Beach, 7th in uh, in the Spanish Open. Off the tee is the problem. Um, mm. He gives up a lot of ground. But on a course like this, which is a bit shorter, um, and where he's so comfortable, four top tens, he lives nearby. Um, if he's going to have one more flourish, it'll be somewhere like here. Um, and, and I actually think he's shown some pretty decent signs of life over the last 12 months. So uh, a massive price. Um, yeah, he'll do. Okay. Um, again, you know, I'm, I'm not going to argue with that because, uh, well, I've never argued with any of your selections to run your run. So, uh, but um, yeah, I can say, I mean, Luke Donald is, he's definitely showing more signs of life. And as, as you say, he seems to have rededicated himself and isn't ready to sort of, you know, hit the commentary box or, or what have you yet. So um, I'm sure he's got a last hurrah in himself and uh, uh, I'm assuming it's not going to be over in the Saudi league. So um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've not heard his name linked with it anyway. So, uh, so yeah, um, uh, this, this is as good a place as anywhere, as you say, for him to get, it's a bit like, I suppose it's similar to the Vijegas angle, um, although obviously bigger odds, if he's going to, if he's going to find it again, it's going to be on a track like this basically. So yeah. And, and look for both of them, we've got, you know, tons of examples. Mm. Harrington was a huge price when he yeah. mugged uh, Daniel Berger here. Michael Thompson, Keith Mitchell, VJ yeah. Singh here at a massive price a couple of years ago. Jeff Ogilvy. Um, mm. It's one of those courses you can, you know, experience and a bit of nous and and also being able to stand on those final few tees and not feel particularly nervous. Now, obviously, if if he did manage to get into contention, I'm sure uh, we'd we'd see a bit of contention rust and and mm. it, it's borderline impossible to see him winning. But I can see him playing well and at three hundred to one, you know. That's all you need. Yeah. You'll you'll quite happily take your top eight um outright and move or your eighth place outright and move on to next week, wouldn't you? So Oh yes. Oh yes. Um, yeah. So um your final song selection Ben, I believe. Yeah, so um, I've gone with Wild Beasts, who I just a chance to mention them because they're they're no longer active, but I, th I think they're a, 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 a wonderful band. Um, and and I wanted I was about to say they're like hugely underrated, but I, I don't know if they won the Mercury Prize or they were nominated for it for Two Dancers, one of their earlier albums. But I suppose that means you're not underrated. But they never achieved critical acclaim, possibly because of the falsetto of the singer. But um, mm. I love them. I've seen them live a number of times and they were always brilliant. And um, their uh, one of their albums is called Smother. And 
once Austin Smotherman made his way into my staking plan, um, so did a Wild Beast song, my playlist. So I've gone with End Come Too Soon, which you could hardly say about a podcast which is approaching its 90th minute. Um, and th- this is a seven-minute <laughs> song as well, so I apologize for that. But um, hopefully people will enjoy it. Well, I got a nine-minute song on last week um, when I put Bella Lugosi's Dead in by Bauhaus um, because of the <laughs> Hollywood link. So uh, um, so I think we can manage a, a seven-minute song. And, um, and may I just say, Martin, you, you challenged me to find a Sigur Ross song. Had I tipped um, Svensson, I was going to go with Sven E. Engler because well, the first three letters of that are S-V-E. And that felt like it, you said tenuous. That felt like it was enough, but I didn't tip him, so I did. Well, with the hugest piece of after timing that we'll probably have all season, once I gave this some thought yesterday and I thought, where the, would Ben have got a single Ross song from um, if he was going to come up with one? And, and you sort of cryptically messaged me and said, I might possibly have a single Ross song. Um, I actually had that thought. I thought, could it be that track? In relation to Svensson, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. So, um, so I did actually have that thought. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, I was half expecting um, that uh, Svensson might have been in your in your planning, as it were. But um, yeah, uh, but uh, the wild beast will do, I'm sure. And uh, seven minutes of uh, uh, in its full glory. So, again, another song I've never heard before. Another song I'm looking forward to listening to. So, um, before we move on to this week's free bet. Uh, who has got the tall order of following Ben next week? Well, um, you're going to get two for the price of one next week because I've got the Lost for Word pod guys on. Uh, Tom Jacobs and Jason Daniels are coming on. So um, I'm expecting to get some uh, some 41 from Tom. I think they're his band from what I've seen on Twitter uh, and probably some Carter from Jason. So um, really looking forward to having those guys on next week. If you've never heard their pod before, it's uh, well worth a listen, um, Lost for Words. And um, we will... I'm sure not be lost for words and we'll be talking about uh, Bay Hill next week. So can't can't wait to have those guys on next week. The free bet this week. Um, so £5 free bet, as you know. And um, again, we've had some cracking suggestions uh, this week. I'm just going to quickly rattle through a few of them. Um, Greg Petru says uh, The Bare Hands by um, Giants. Uh, obviously the bear trap there. Um, National Express, I think it got mentioned National Express earlier, didn't it, when you were going down to London, Ben? McNulty's suggested National Express because of the National by Divine Comedy. My wife's um, favourite band, so there you go. Oh, there you go. Um, sorry, um, Mrs. Coley, they're not on, unfortunately. Uh, she won't which, be listening, sorry. Okay. She won't even listen to me talk about golf. Okay. You've got no chance. Um, and, but she knows it's about music, so um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Turning Japanese by The Vapors, a Honda link there. Um, uh, to another cracking suggestion from mark wood uh mr jones by the counting crows um from james golf bowler uh motorcycle rider obviously that got a couple of mentions from the manix but um i'm gonna give this to chris lofthouse and i couldn't not chris chris won this the other week but i couldn't not give it to chris because this song was the obvious one i was expecting about 15 people to come up with but chris was the only one who did so well done, Chris. We had a red hot chili pepper last week um, uh, with Joachim Neiman, and um, it's got to be Californication. So it's uh, Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers is this week's winning um, tune for the free bet. And well done, Chris. Uh, I'll be messaging you to um, let you know if you're not listening. We well, won't be listening now, obviously, because we're only recording it. So, um, right, quick recap. Um, ben, um, run us through your bets again. Yeah, so I've gone Sung JM win only. Um, 
Alex Noren, Brian Harmon, and Aaron Wise as the sort of vaguely sensible ones. And then at big prices, Austin Smotherman and Luke Donald. Yes, that's Luke Donald. Okay. And from my end of things, it's Billy Horschel at the top of the market at 22 to 1. Johnny Vegas at 40 to 1. Um, all each way, these. I'm with Ben on Aaron Wise. So I guess if you're looking for that one pick that we're uh, uh, in unification on, as it were, it's Aaron Wise. Um, then it is Camilo Vijegas, uh, three outsiders basically at three figure odds. Camilo Vijegas at 125s. Svensson, Adam Svensson, um, probably now down to 100 to 1. Um, Hayden Buckley at 150 to 1, the Florida based guy who won the event last year that Ben Arn won yesterday. Um, and remind us of your songs for the playlist, Ben. Oh, goodness me. Right. So we've got the national, um, I'll still destroy you. Um, we've got Jens Lechman with Waiting for Kirsten, which is about Kirsten Dunst, who I also happen to love, but that's by the by. Um, Going to Georgia by the Mountain Goats, uh, Goldfish Bowl by Seraphonics, and End Come Too Soon by Wild Beasts. And it's just two songs for me on the playlist this week. Uh, so hopefully I, I normally tend to forget what my songs were at this point. So uh, just the two songs for me on the playlist this week. Uh, one for Billy Horshaw, which is uh, Rock and Roll Queen by the Subways, because um, Subways lead singer is called Billy. And my second pick is, and I managed to forget it again. God bloody, what was my second pick? Uh, I always forget my musical picks. Uh, it was, um, yes, of course, it was Slow Dive, Catch the Breeze. It was actually my first pick uh, in honour of the breeze slash wind I'm expecting that we'll see this week over at PGA National. So um, so that's our picks. That's the music, which will be out on the Spotify playlist afterwards. Um, ben, it's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for coming on. It is hugely appreciated. And I know everyone listening will uh, find it really interesting to hear about your musical background as well as your um, golf tipping um, and writing background. So, um, yeah, it's I can't thank you enough. It's been an absolute blast having you on. Uh, remind um, If anyone listening who doesn't know where to find you, they've stumbled into the wrong podcast, but just uh, remind everyone where they can can find your stuff. Um, at Ben Curly Golf on Twitter. Sorry if I've blocked you. That's just how it goes. Um, and obviously at sportinglife.com to read the previews, where you can also read Martin's uh, profitable uh, PGA Tour column on a, on a Sunday, which saves me a hell of a lot of work and, and a hell of a lot of weekend time, Martin. So thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to do it. And uh, if, if I was going to ask you this question, it never happened. Um, if I, if, and obviously it's ifs and ands were pots and pans, et cetera, et cetera, so it's all totally irrelevant. But if Troy Merritt had suddenly somehow won the other week at 200 to 1, would that have been the biggest priced in running tip in Sporting Life's history? that had won that you could remember without question yeah yeah they were, I, they were, I, the, my colleagues were very much interested that sunday night and they're not always interested in the golf so yeah i had a couple of messages from uh, from some of my colleagues about mr mr merritt it was a shame it it came to an abrupt end at 17 because i thought yeah, we were, he's yeah. going to bag the place money but it was a great shout it was a yeah really good well shout. he did trade as steve rawlins pointed out he did trade at 3.25 so hopefully some people um made some money via that uh, that way even if um unfortunately he didn't make the place in the end um anyway yeah that's a great pleasure doing that column and as it's been a great pleasure having this chat so um thank you everyone for listening this week so we'll be back with tom and jason next week so let's have a great week back some winners and don't forget to turn the music up loud and thank you very much and good night